What's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo. Thanks for downloading this week's radio show. We put it into podcast form. We appreciate that. And if you want to win Big 12 tournament tickets, all you have to do is rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Email me, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we're giving away a pair of tickets to Friday's semifinal games at the Sprint Center in Kansas City. So all you got to do to be entered to win those tickets is in the next couple of days, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll pick a winner later this week. Email me a screenshot of your rating and your review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Do it through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever you use. You'll be entered to win those Big 12 tournament semifinal tickets. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy the show. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line, touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the sun goes They just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards for McCluskey on the grab. Well, we're going down the home stretch of the basketball season, and football is getting back underway. Spring practice finally starting for a bunch of teams in the Big 12 here in the coming days. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks to all of you for joining us, however you're doing it. Podcast, radio show, YouTube, whatever it might be, we appreciate you being a part of the show. So uh, the news cycle is going to pick up here over the next couple of weeks. NCAA tournament, Big 12 tournament, uh, spring practice, the news coming out of that. So it's it's our last slower week. So I wanted to do something. I wanted to have some fun with this and something we can debate as well. You can find me on Twitter at Pete Mundo at Heartland underscore CS. We can go back and forth. Email me anytime, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. But I wanted to put together the rankings, as I see it, for the Big 12 football jobs from worst to first. And I put in a bunch of factors here. I put in uh, history of the team. I put in town. Um, All these different elements that you think of when ranking the best jobs in a conference. I didn't just do it based on who's been the best over the past five or ten years. What are the best jobs? Wipe the slate clean And where would a coach want to be more than, say, any other job in the conference? So let's go worst to first. We can debate it. You can find me on social media. We can do it that way. So as I see it, the worst job, the 10th best, if you want to posture it that way, 10th best job in the Big 12 Conference, the Kansas Jayhawks. Now, Lawrence is a great college town. You have decent proximity to a place like Kansas City that has solid talent. I mean, you know, it's not 
Dallas or, or Houston, but, you know, Kansas City has some talent. But you can't overlook right now what this program has been over the past 10 years. You just can't. I mean, it has been horrendous, the worst Power 5 program in America. Now, if Les Miles can turn that around, they've got new football facilities coming into place, then Kansas can shoot up this list. I mean, the Jayhawks, there's no reason they can't be 8-9, maybe 7, if all things start to break right. They can certainly be higher than they are on this list. But right now, you can't justify having the Kansas Jayhawks you know, higher than 10th. You just can't do it. The ninth best job in the Big 12, as I see it right now, the West Virginia Mountaineers. And I know West Virginia fans are going to be up in arms about this, but hear me out. First off, you still don't have those true ties to the Big 12 Conference. You can't go and recruit Texas like a lot of teams can in the conference because they're all in driving distance. You're not. You're at a geographical disadvantage in Morgantown. You're also at a geographical disadvantage because you got to do the most traveling for every one of your road games. That's difficult. I think Morgantown is great. I've been to Morgantown. I've gotten pretty darn drunk in Morgantown. I had a really good time doing it. But I got to be honest, uh, it's just not connected to the Big 12 geographically right now. And you have no in-state talent. You're fighting for talent in Pittsburgh. The pipeline to Florida, is it still there? Sure, it's, it was there under Dana Holgerson, but not like it was, you know, under the Rich Rod or Stewart regimes or anything like that. So, you know, I just think that right now, when you look at that job in West Virginia, it's a good job. The facilities are solid, but I have a hard time putting it above the ninth spot right now. I think in many ways, Dana Holgerson is over or did overachieve during his time as the head coach for the West Virginia Mountaineers. So I have West Virginia at ninth. I have Texas Tech at eighth. You know, yes, they're in Texas, but they are as geographically removed from the equation uh, as you can be. They're eight hours from Houston. They're six hours from Dallas. I mean, it's basically a different state, right? You know, Dallas is closer to Stillwater, is it not, than Lubbock? Um, It's just just, it's it's out there kind of in no man's land. And I don't say that in a derogatory way. I used to live in Woodward, Oklahoma, towards the panhandle in Oklahoma, which people call no man's land. And it's a fantastic part of the country. I love it there. It's got fantastic people. I'm not saying and using that phrase in a bad way in any way at all. But Lubbock is removed from the equation. When you talk about geographically where it is, it hasn't had a lot of success. You know, the program has not had a ton of success there in also about 10 years since the Mike Leach era. And uh, it just needs a reset, you know. So Kirby Hokut, I think, is a great boss to have. But I can't put him right now any higher than eighth. At seventh for the best programs in the Big 12, Kansas State, the Wildcats. Manhattan, really good college town. The alumni love, support that program. You have the 30-year run of Bill Snyder, which, let's be honest, rebuilt that program from nothing to something. Chris Kleiman is starting with a good base. Yes, he has to clean some things up. We all understand that. There have been a lot of defections from the program in recent years. Can't get around that. But he's got a good place to start. And, you know, he's not starting at the top of the pack. I understand that. We all get that. But he, you know, he shouldn't be making excuses either because that program and that community supports, supports that team. 
And, you know, yes, it's further from a place like Kansas City than Lawrence is. I understand that. I live in Kansas City right now. But you know what? Kansas State should be able to recruit the kids out of Kansas City just as easily as Mizzou, just as easily as Lawrence. You're another, what, 90 minutes down the road? It should not be a problem. At the sixth best program in the Big 12, I'm going to say the Iowa State Cyclones. You start getting into a better college environment. Not much, but, you know, listen. Ames is, is, and I haven't been there yet. It is on my list. I will be in Ames this fall. There's no doubt in my mind. I don't know which game yet, but I will be in Ames this fall. I promise you that. Um, and I can't wait to do it because that fan base, I, I want to drink all the bush light I can get my hands on. I want to do it all because that fan base loves this team. They were selling out Jack Trice under Paul Rhodes, winning three games a year. So, you can't deny that fan base loves this team through thick and thin. And, you know, yes, it's not in a great geographical location to recruit some of the true uh, Big 12 hotspots in Oklahoma and Texas. But close enough to Kansas City and what Matt Campbell has done is he's used his ties kind of to more of Big Ten country to go pick and prod over there. And it's, it's worked out pretty well. Facilities are good. So I put Iowa State right now in the sixth spot. At five, the Baylor Bears. You're talking about a team that is in the thick of a talent-rich area. Three hours to Dallas. What, 3-4 to Houston. Um, you got Waco. You got Temple. You got Austin to pick from. You're right in the middle of it all. And there's a lot of money. New stadium. McLean Stadium's a great spot. I've watched games from there. Uh, and, and how Matt Rule has turned this thing around from a disastrous situation ending the Art Browles regime, regime is a credit not just to Matt Rule, but to that program, to the administration, to the money donors, to all those people that have put their best foot forward and have tried and successfully turned this thing around from one win to seven wins to maybe, you know, eight, nine this year. It is very impressive, and that is a, a team we've seen what the potential is during the Art Browse regime, and if Matt Rule wants to hang around and doesn't get enticed by another NFL job in the next couple of years, they can be right back in that same spot here, I would say, in probably 2020 if Charlie Brewer does hang around for a senior year, which he should. I can't imagine he leaves. Number, I guess that would be uh, four now for the top Big 12 jobs in order, TCU. TCU has the support. TCU is right in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. I mean, you are minutes away from some of the best talent in the country. You are now in a Power 5 conference. There's a reason that the Big 12 didn't want TCU in a Power 5 conference for years after the old Southwest Conference blew up. And it was for this very reason, because under the right coach, Man, that's a program that's going to recruit top 25 classes. We've seen that. You know, I think TCU fans are great, but i got to be honest. Sometimes I look on TV at Amon G. Sta Amon G. Carter Stadium, and I'm a little bit underwhelmed. You know, I, I, I wish the fan support was better, but you can't underestimate um, stadium, facilities, money that's been dumped in, donors on top of the location, 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 which – uh, when you talk about proximity of recruits, no team in the Big 12 has the proximity that TCU has. So that might move them up this list a little bit further than if they were in a place like Waco or Lubbock. Number three on the list, Oklahoma State. 
I don't think you can get around the fact that Stillwater, if you haven't been there, is uh, an awesome college town. The donors, notably one, T. Boone Pickens, you might have heard of him, has reset the financial arm of this program. They've got great facilities. They've got a great town. Okay, fine, they're second fiddle in their own state. That's okay. All the other teams are in Texas as well to one of the top two teams, which we'll get to here in a second. But, you know, Mike Gundy, I've said it for a long time now. He should be recruiting better than he is. He won 10 10 games in three straight seasons. I'm not going to take that away from him. But I still would like to see him recruiting top 25 classes because I believe with that program where it is, with the money that's been put in, with its location, it should be recruiting a little bit better. But you know what? If he bounces back and wins 10 games this year, I'm not going to question it. I'm just not going to do it. Number two for the top, as we rank the Big 12 jobs in order, number two, I know a lot of you have been wondering, what is my one-two? Number two, Oklahoma. Number one, Texas. Texas, I get it. They haven't had the on-field success in recent years. Haven't done it. But when you think about Austin, I mean, Austin is one of the most uh, popular cities in America right now. I think of three cities for the most popular cities in America right now that are growing rapidly. I think of Austin, Texas. I think of Nashville, Tennessee. And I think of Denver, Colorado. Three of the hottest places growing rapidly. And when you have... Austin, Texas, which is a, you know, even though it's growing fast, it's a college town. There's no pros teams to compete with. Uh, the donor base is enormous. And basically, everything is equal with OU. Outside of OU's had more success on the field, we get that. I, there's no denying that, right? OU's had more success. But you have Austin, Texas, which is one of the sexiest cities in America right now for anybody. doesn't matter. Not just Texas, not just the Southwest, for America. It's one of the hottest cities in the country. And that, to me, gives Texas the slight edge over Oklahoma for best jobs in the country. They both are close to talent. They both can recruit whoever they want. What is the difference at this point? When the donor base is the same, the money is the same coming in, I'm going to give the edge to the Texas Longhorns. And it's close. It's not taking anything away from Norman. I love Norman as well. But it does not have the cachet right now, and no cities do, in my opinion, of Austin, Texas. So there you have it. Rank in the Big 12 jobs, worst to first. Let's give you the order, top to bottom. Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Kansas. Debate it. Find me on Twitter, at Pete Mundo, at Heartland underscore CS. Talk some hoops. Matthew Postens joins us next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. and every time this week let's welcome in Matthew Postens joining us right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly part of heartlandcollegesports.com your independent Big 12 digital media outlet does as good a job as anybody covering this Big 12 hoops conference top to bottom well Matthew the streak is over the Kansas Jayhawks of course uh, falling on Tuesday night to the Oklahoma Sooners they are officially out of the Big 12 race 
Well, when you looked a year ago, Matthew, we saw all this talent coming into Kansas, right? I know this season didn't go as planned, but still, it's one of those things that I feel like 14 years straight, you finally have to see it to actually believe it, right? I was watching the game Tuesday night, and I, you know, all good things must come to an end. I mean, uh, this is the longest regular season conference title streak in uh, major college basketball. UCLA won 13 in a row back in the uh, 60s and 70s. Gonzaga won 11 straight uh, last decade. So uh, teams have had stretches of excellence like this before. But um, the way it ended was just it was so anticlimactic. I mean, you figure a team like Kansas is going to lose on a buzzer beater late in the regular, late in the conference season, or Mm -hmm. it's going to be a really tight ball game. And, you know, as much as Oklahoma dominated that game, Kansas, for whatever reason, just did not show up. They shot horribly from the three point line. Uh, The young freshmen who have played so well for them really the last month, uh, since they finally settled on their rotation, um, didn't really uh, didn't really get the job done outside of David McCormick. So, you know, for the streak to end, it was going to end at some point. For the way it ended, to me, was just so unexpected to just have it end in such an un- anticlimactic way, with Kansas basically being blown out on the road uh, before they can get home to face Baylor on Saturday and perhaps stay in this thing. Yeah, Matthew Poston's joining us. So, you know, Matthew. Uh, is this something you think is a long-term deal? Or let's be honest, Kansas was starting at 1.4 freshmen this season. So is this kind of actually, in a way, maybe helping this team for the future as much as it might have hurt them this season? Well, I think certainly from the perspective of their perimeter play, I think they're going to be in very good shape next year. Dotson, uh, Agbaji, uh, Garrett, um, you know, there's another other player I'm, I'm uh, escaping out at the moment, but I mean their backcourt looks like it could potentially be one of the best backcourts in the league next year, based mm-hmm. on just the amount of time they've been able to play uh, here in the last month or two. Uh, I figure after the season is over, Diedrich Lawson's probably going to um, declare for the NBA draft. Uh, I figure Udoka as a is probably going to do the same thing, even though he doesn't really have as much uh, in terms of statistics because he's been so banged up the last couple of years. I'm not sure that he would necessarily want to come back uh, for one more year at Kansas just because, you know, he's a seven-foot big man uh, who's going to have some interest in the, in the NBA. And then D'Souza, of course, is um, out for not just this year, but next year for right now at the suspension. So where they're really going to hurt next year is the front court. But in terms of just looking at their back court and their guards, uh, they're going to be in really good shape next year, and they're going to be one of the most experienced backcourts in the conference. Mm-hmm. So, Matthew, you know, now this thing comes down to K-State and Texas Tech on Saturday. If you're a betting man, who is your money on at this point? I'm leaning toward Kansas State, and it's a it's a slight lean. It's not a it's not a I'm tipping over on the side like the Mona Lisa kind of lean. It's a slight <laughs> lean, and it's only because, A, Kansas State's at home, and B, their opponent is Oklahoma. Not that Oklahoma's bad. I mean, they, they just showed us Tuesday night what they're able to do. But, you know, going into Bramlage Coliseum is a really tough get for any team. Kansas couldn't even win there a few weeks ago. So, to me, they get the slight edge because of the opponent. Texas Tech has to go to Iowa State. Uh, granted, Tech's going to have five days to rest up for that game on Saturday. Uh, Iowa State uh, had a game uh, earlier this week on the road at West Virginia. Uh, but Hilton's also a tough place to play. Iowa State's probably a more talented team than Oklahoma, so I'm, I'm leaning slightly toward K-State being the one left standing if, say, one of these teams wins and loses. 
to me, they're the one left standing. But, you know, we could very well see a shared title once again. Uh, Texas Tech certainly capable of beating Iowa State uh, on the road, even though Iowa State came into Lubbock last month and beat Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Matthew Poston's joining us, of course, does a great job covering our Big 12 basketball scene at heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, Matthew, you mentioned Oklahoma just now. Uh, they beat Kansas, of course, on Tuesday. They've they've quietly, I would say, quietly won four or five games after losing five in a row. What has Lon Kruger done as you've seen this team progress over the last few weeks? What has Lon Kruger done just to to, to turn this thing around? Well, I think you saw it Tuesday night if you watched the Kansas game. Number one, it's uh, Jamal Bieniemy. Since inserting the freshman into the starting lineup, uh, I, I feel like Lon Kruger has solved his point guard problem. Not that Christian James or the other guards that they ran through that uh, position did a bad job, but the enemy does a much better job of facilitating the kind of offense that Lon Kruger wants on the floor. And he's a pretty good defender, too. Uh, I agree with what Fran Fraschilla said Tuesday night. This guy's a rising star in the conference. He's going to be a heck of a player to deal with next year. Same goes for Christian Doolittle, their talented forward who's been Uh, dealing with injury problems the last couple of years. But this year, especially once they've gotten into conference play, he's become a very capable, very quiet, and very consistent player. Had a double-double Tuesday night against Kansas. And, you know, when you think about the fact that Jamuni McNeese is leading as a senior, you know, Doolittle is going to be the guy in the middle for them next year. And he has the potential to be a player that can give them a double-double every single night. So those two players, I think, have helped Oklahoma stabilized themselves, especially on the offensive end, and has helped this little upturn for them, which, you know, if you if you think about what Joe Lenardi was saying Tuesday night on ESPN, Oklahoma beating uh, Kansas, uh, he feels like that solidifies them in the tournament, and Oklahoma has a chance to get to 20 victories this year, either with a win uh, this weekend in the final conference game or by winning one of the, their first game in the Big 12 tournament. Well, Matthew, let's um, let's talk about a team that looks like it's, if not on the outside looking in, at best they're on the bubble. I mean, you follow this stuff in terms of the bracketology uh, much closer than I do, admittedly. TCU, I mean, they are in a free fall, losers of three in a row, losers of six of seven. I mean, is Jamie Dixon's team now looking at the NIT? Is there anything they can do? I mean, winning at Texas on Saturday obviously helps, but do they have to get to like the Big 12 championship game next week at this point to have a shot? I don't necessarily think they have to get to the Big 12 championship game. I agree. They're probably the most bubblicious team in the Big 12 right now when you're thinking about the NCAA tournament. Um, I think their problem right now is they don't pass the eye test more than anything else. You can talk about quadrant one and quadrant two wins all you want. Uh, But right now, like you said, then having lost six of seven going into this weekend, uh, it, it doesn't pass the eye test for me. But the thing is, one of the things that uh, I've been hearing a lot of talk about the last couple of weeks is just the relative weakness of the Pac-12. This is a conference that usually gets four or five, maybe six bids to the NCAA tournament every year. Mm-hmm. Right now, both Joe Lenardi and Jerry Palm at CBS are projecting the Pac-12 will only have two teams in the field, and that's really crazy when you consider how good the Pac-12 usually is. When you consider that, the, the tournament committee, they have to find teams to fill those spaces. It's not like you say, well, the Pac-12 can't give us five teams. We're going to leave three open spaces in the field. You've got to go find teams to put in those spaces in the field that the Pac-12 might not otherwise occupy. And that's one of the reasons why TCU remains in the field going into this weekend, according to both bracketologists, because 
there are some open spaces created by conferences that are not performing as we're usually used to seeing them perform. And because TCU still has 18 wins, and again, like you said, if they were to beat Texas this weekend, maybe win a game in the Big 12 tournament, they'd have 20 wins. And even with a, a under 500 conference record, that might be enough to get them into the tournament. Matthew Poston's our guest. All right, Matthew, uh, last thing for you here as you look at this conference top to bottom. Uh, two teams we know not going to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, unless they win the Big 12 tournament, which I guess is not impossible, Oklahoma State and West Virginia are not going dancing. Um, compare these two teams, and if you could, which fan base should be more optimistic about the future, the one in Morgantown or the one in Stillwater? I think the fan base in Stillwater should probably be a little bit more optimistic. Not that both of those fan bases don't have things to be optimistic about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you look at West Virginia, you know, they're starting four freshmen right now, and they're playing like you're starting four freshmen. But Bob Huggins has finally found his ride-or-die guys, the guys that are actually listening to him, actually executing, and actually playing hard. It's a really young team. He has one extremely talented player in Derek Culver who could end up being a double-double machine for this team next year. Uh, In fact, he's already put up several double-doubles this season. He's got a McDonald's All-American coming in, but there's not a whole lot else in that recruiting class right now aside from that All-American. When you look at Oklahoma, they've got three core veteran guys in Cameron McGriff, Lindy Waters III, and Thomas Diagua. Uh, All three of these guys have been playing their butts off all season, even though Oklahoma State only has seven scholarship players. And then when you look at uh, Mike Boynton's recruiting class right now, it's ranked number 13 by ESPN. Uh, They've got four really good recruits coming in, guys who could potentially hit the floor and play for them immediately. Uh, I, I like the fact that they've got a lot of quality guys coming in that are young. They still have some scholarships they could use to bring in a couple of graduate transfer players that could help them you know, stabilize from a veteran standpoint. So there's going to be this big gap at Oklahoma State between experienced guys and young guys, but I like the mix, and I, like the, I, I just like where I could see Oklahoma State being next year with the guys they have coming back and the guys that they're bringing in. West Virginia doesn't, has a lot of guys coming back next year, but they don't have a lot of veteran, junior, senior experience coming back next year. He's Matthew Poston to heartlandcollegesports.com. Does a great job for us on the hoop side. Uh, Matthew, always appreciate it, and you'll be in Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament next week. I will be there as well with you since I live there, and it's going to be a great time. I look forward to the coverage with you. Yeah, me too. It's been a long time since I've had the chance to cover that tournament, and it's it's shaping up to be a, a great one. Even with Kansas not winning the regular season title, there's certainly no reason why Kansas couldn't win the tournament title. Yeah, no doubt about it. Matthew Postens. Matthew, great stuff, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, Pete. Great work there to Matthew. And coming up, let's touch on some NFL draft discussion for the Big 12. It's all next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, earlier in the show, we wrapped up a conversation with Dalton Reisner, the Kansas State uh, Wildcat lineman who's getting ready for the NFL draft. I'm not an NFL guru. I'm not going to pretend I know what team is going to take him or anything like that. But there is likely going to be a Big 12 guy taken number one for a second straight year. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. 
Thanks so much for joining us as always and being a part of the show, whether it's the podcast, whether it's on the radio, whether it's YouTube, whatever it might be. Um, it's great to have you on board. So it's amazing how Kyler Murray, I was looking this up a month ago, Kyler Murray's over under draft status was 9.5, meaning people thought he would get picked maybe in the top 10, nine or 10. The over under was the nine and a half was picked nine and a half, which obviously doesn't exist. So you had to go over under. I'm telling you, this guy's going to be the number one pick. Look at what's going on here. You had Lincoln Riley on Dan Patrick's show this week raving about Kyler Murray, saying all the reports are false. Don't worry about anything involving this guy or his dad or his love of football or is he going to go back to baseball? None of that is true. And as I pointed out last week, you know, Lincoln Riley's not going to put his neck on the line for this. He's not going to do it. Now he goes to the combine, Kyler Murray. He measures in at over 5'10". Josh Rosen, uh, the former UCLA quarterback, rookie taken in the first round last year, he deletes all his Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals, who have the number one pick in the NFL draft. He deletes all his Cardinals photos off of his Instagram like he's a fifth grader in middle school. I mean, grow up already, would you? All right, sixth grader, because fifth grade's technically not middle school. Um, What a child. You know, coming out of college, people didn't know whether or not Josh Rosen had the heart But at the quarterback position, teams always take a chance. They always take a flyer on a guy for that position because it's so important. And if you hit, you're good for 10, 12 years. If you miss, well, you try again next year. But in this case, Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury is the the head coach now, of course, the former Texas Tech head coach. He often once said when he was just the little coach in Lubbock, he said, you know what? I would draft Kyler Murray number one. You want to talk about the stars aligning. Kyler Murray is going to end up playing in the NFL for Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals. If I told you, even last summer, if I told you, hey, uh, hey, Bob, hey, Sally, in a year from now, Cliff Kingsbury is going to be an NFL coach and Kyler Murray is going to be the number one overall pick for Cliff Kingsbury. You couldn't make up that script if you tried, man. You could not. Oliver Stone couldn't write that script. But here we are. That's why sports is the best reality TV show. And talk about the rich getting richer. If OU, two straight years for Lincoln Riley, has the Heisman winner and the number one overall pick. God almighty. I mean, they already got the top pro quarterback in the country this past year in Spencer Rattler. They got Jalen Hurts, who's going to play this year at quarterback. I mean, between wide receiver, offensive line, uh, quarterback, I mean, just keep them coming for Lincoln Riley. My goodness, what a hire that turned into be for Bob Stoops. Can you do any better? As much as he screwed up hiring his own brother back as the defensive coordinator, boy, he hit a home run when it comes to Lincoln Riley. You just you can't say it enough. You cannot do it. Um, some big news in the college football landscape. I wanted to touch on here that is probably not getting a ton of attention because you don't think about long-term ramifications of it. But Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney is going to retire in 2020. He's been the commissioner for the league since 1989, and he's 71 years old. He's going to step down in 2020. 
um, which means that he is not going to be negotiating the league's next media rights agreement, which expires in 2023. Now, that media rights agreement in 2023 is going to, uh, frankly, be the first determinant of where college football goes from here. Because every other Power 5 TV contract is up after the Big 12. The Big 12 signed a shorter-term deal to try to get back to basically free agency sooner than the other Power 5 conferences. That's going to be telling. Jim Delaney, obviously, is going to be out by then. Now, this is a guy who had big, broad, grand plans for the Big Ten. You know, he is somebody who wanted to take the Big Ten to New York City. He thought about media markets. It didn't work. You think the Big Ten wants Rutgers? You think the Big Ten wants Maryland? Uh, Maryland's all right, fine. They're they're building a program there on the football side. Basketball's been pretty good. Does Maryland fit in the Big Ten to you? Jim Delaney's expansion of that conference, I thought diluted it a heck of a lot. He made a mistake. He thought Rutgers was going to draw in New York people. The New York media market? I mean, ask anybody. I lived there for five years working in media. Nobody cares about Rutgers football, Jim. So what approach now does the Big Ten have? And it's not going to be Jim Delaney. Who is the new commissioner going to be? What is his MO? What are his goals? It's going to be very telling. And it's going to be a very, very important part of the college football landscape because it is going to start the domino effect of this next round of negotiations and who is bidding for what, how long the deals are, and all that kind of good stuff. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks to all of you for joining us, for helping this show grow each and every week and spreading the word. We are doing this grassroots, and it's because of you we are having the kind of success we're having. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Two thousand country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. And once again, if you want to be entered to win Big Twelve tournament tickets, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, and send me an email of your screenshot and your review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Really appreciate it, guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again next week, same time, same place, here on heartlandcollegesports.com.